Welcome to the Truly Nourish Podcast. My name is Rebecca Laurel Hill. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and life wellness expert. This podcast has one mission, to help women break free from dieting and overeating patterns and transform how they nourish themselves in body, mind, and soul. Each episode, we dive into teachings and tools that will help you find more peace and freedom with food, more enjoyment living in and caring for your body, and more happiness and fulfillment in your life overall. Thank you for being here. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful friends. In this episode, I'll be expanding on one of the overeating styles I mentioned on last week's episode 7, specifically the fretting and worrying about food that comes from dieting and how that creates overeating. I'll also be talking about why quitting dieting behaviors and then on next week's episode, letting go of the diet mentality is so important for creating the relationship with food that you truly want in your life. So first of all, as humans, we are naturally designed to feed ourselves in a way that is intuitive, meaning connected to our body and our natural inner guidance towards well-being. So to decide what and how to eat from our inner wisdom, our body's signals, and our intuition, which allows us to eat in our most balanced way for our unique body and allows for our optimal health and functioning when we can be very attuned to our body's needs and requests for nourishment. And we were born with this ability. It's innate within us. However, this natural way of feeding ourselves well can really start to be influenced and affected very early in our lives by outside sources. And by far the first biggest influence on our relationship with food is the environment we were born into and raised in. And this includes our family environment, but also the societal culture, the media, and perhaps the school or daycare environments we were exposed to as children. And not only did you receive behavior modeling of how to eat from those adults in your life back then, you were also influenced by their beliefs and their thinking, and also the collective thinking from culture. And many of the beliefs you may hold now about yourself, about your eating, about your body, and or about food were first shaped at this very young age by your environment. You've maybe heard that so much of what gets programmed into our subconscious and that continues to run our lives as an adult was all happening before the age of seven. And I personally can remember first learning about dieting around age nine when I kind of think back and reflect on what was happening in my life. I think I was about third grade, so I think that's about age nine. And I learned from somewhere out in the world, I don't recall exactly where, but I learned that there's a certain shape and type of body that's supposedly better. And I remember I put myself on my first diet and It only lasted for about a week, I think, thank goodness. Um, And my mom, she wasn't a dieter, 
And none of the adult women I spent much time with as a child ever talked about dieting or showed dieting behaviors. And so for me, I really did, other than that one week when I was nine, I really did remain a very intuitive eater until I was in college. And the funny thing is, in college, I never made a conscious decision to go on a diet or to restrict food, but I had made the conscious decision that I was going to go to the gym every morning at 5 a.m. before class to get into really great shape. And I was always quite athletic and I loved exercise and so I sort of wanted to push my limits and see what I could do with this very amazing, well-equipped gym at the university I was going to. And quite honestly, I became addicted to the exercise. I showed up every day, dragged myself out of bed, got there at 5 a.m. But on the other side of that, I was also not eating enough all day. And for my age at that time and the level of activity I was doing, the lunch I was packing every day was not enough. I'd get really hungry by afternoon, but would push through until I got home in the evening because I didn't want to take the time to eat and I also didn't want to spend the money on extra food. And so when I would get home in the evening after my approximately 12-hour day, most days, I was famished. And that evening food became the highlight of my whole day. And the longer this restriction went on, the more I got that out-of-control feeling with food and the evening binges just became a routine. And on top of that, the stress of class and exams and all the stuff that we go through in college only added fuel to the fire in terms of um, the binging and restricting and the over-exercising. And so along with my compulsive exercise and binging behavior, I also developed this incredible fear of food. So I was a very severe food fretter, constantly thinking about food and what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat, constantly worrying about exercising off the food I had eaten, constantly worrying about weight gain, even though I was actually underweight at that time. And then once the pattern and habit was firmly set, it really lasted for, gosh, eight to 10 years after school, after I graduated, and it totally ran my life. I basically planned the whole rest of my life around that habit. And so, and and this was not desired, but it was just like this survival mechanism I was in. And so wrapped up in. And so you can imagine I lived a rather limited life because my life was all about the habit, even though I hated the habit. And it truly had me in its grasp. And then finally, when I was going through a divorce in 2010, I decided to go to eating disorder treatment for a short time. And I ended up choosing to only spend three weeks there as an outpatient, but That initial support was really what I needed to give me the foundation and the jumpstart to continue my healing journey and really pulling myself out of that um, habit. Really, that's what it is. It's a habit. And it went on for a couple more years, like to a much lesser degree, until um, I was really out of the compulsion 
in being out of the compulsion, what I mean is like it was no longer running my life. I had much more authority over my life in that way. And I felt at peace and in power when it came to my eating and my exercise. So I tell you this story because number one, maybe you relate to certain aspects of it. And also it will directly tie into the things I'm going to be talking about on this episode. And so culturally, there is a pervasive belief that there is a better body shape for us to chase, right? We see it everywhere from the fitness and diet industry and from the women we dominantly see in places such as magazines, on TV and films. And there is this certain body ideal that's prominently shown to us in these places. And Even if we're not seeing a certain body ideal as much due to body positivity and the inclusivity movement in certain areas that's happening, there's still this whole thing about getting healthier or getting in shape that's so prominent. And it's like this constant messaging that we get to do better or to eat healthier, right? And of course, I am a health and wellness advocate. That's what I'm all about. But my whole mission and purpose and my soapbox is about helping women find that for themselves through a truly soul-driven place in a way that is aligned to their individuality by connecting to their unique needs and desires and as women, as a person, as a unique being. And of course, by listening to their beautiful bodies and having their bodies be their chief partner in the process. And my contribution is to really help women become their own experts by learning how to be intuitively guided to the right food, to the right way of eating for them, and to also the best exercise for them. And so that it can flow with their life, but also evolve with them through their life because they are their own authority. So getting back to these unhelpful beliefs about food and weight that come from the outside environment, these can start to be implanted in our minds and start to influence us at a very young age. And we begin to lose our natural connection with our bodies and our natural, healthy, intuitive way of eating at an early age so often. And I also know some of you might have been put on a diet at a very young age by a parent and In most cases, our caregivers were just doing the best that they could based on what they knew at that time. And so if you had a mother who perhaps dieted a lot or you were exposed to that a lot as a child, or if you were even put on a diet by a parent, they were probably doing the best that they knew at that time. And they were doing what they thought was right and what they thought was good for you. But that will have greatly influenced today how you relate to your body and food. So for many of us, instead of continuing to follow our innate natural guidance of how to eat as we did as babies and how we were born to be and what we did typically as very young children, um, instead of following that for the rest of our lives, like we were born into the world to be, we started to eat according to the influence of the outside world, the people in our lives, the ideas and the opinions that we were exposed to, and basically the belief systems of those around us. And as you know, 
a huge outside influence that affects the eating of our whole culture is the diet industry, right? So now I'm going to talk about why is dieting so problematic? So first off, dieting disconnects us from our bodies as our guidance system for eating. Our body is our guidance system for eating. So instead of tuning into our bodies for what to eat, when to eat, and how to eat, what foods to eat, we end up delegating those decisions to someone or something outside of us, such as a diet coach, a dieting guru, the, you know, come in many forms, the weight loss plan, whatever's trending on social media, (laughs) whatever YouTube ad you see, right? There's so many different ways that we receive this influence from the outside world that wants to distract us from our own gift of knowing our bodies, knowing exactly what to eat. So over time, this causes all sorts of problems with our relationship with food. We lose self-trust around food, especially when we start to implement these practices that are being marketed and shown to us constantly. When we partake in these, uh, we begin to lose our self-trust around food and we no longer trust our bodies to tell us when to eat or how much to eat. And this then manifests as both overeating or can manifest as either or or both overeating and undereating behaviors. That's what it did for me. I was an undereater and an overeater, just depending on the time of the day. And can often lead to eating disorders in people like it did for me. So even though I wasn't specifically following someone else's diet, like a specific diet plan or program, I had created my own diet, my own restrictive way of eating, and was totally ignoring what my body was asking for and needing each day. So then the next reason, that was the the first reason dieting and restricting disconnects us from our bodies, restricting from a place that's coming from outside of us, not from our own body telling us to restrict. That's what I mean. So number one was disconnect. Um, That's a problem. The next one we have is body shame. This is another reason why dieting is problematic and adds fuel to a, a problem that often already exists for people. So the culture of dieting and its set of beliefs that suggest there's a better body shape to strive for and so forth causes many people to become dieters simply because they think their body is not good enough. So from diet culture, we get this message that our body could perhaps be more fit, more trim, more toned, or just smaller, whatever it might be. And because many women grow up already having some aspects of negative body image for all the reasons I touched on a few moments ago at the beginning, the constant exposure to diet culture then adds fuel to this already perhaps low self-esteem or poor body image in many people. And so instead of addressing the root of the problem, such as the low self-esteem, not feeling good enough about yourself, the poor body image, not relating well to your body and all that stuff, rather than addressing the root, people end up dieting and chasing weight loss and chasing exercise routines in order to feel better about their bodies and about themselves. But that just doesn't work. It doesn't solve the problem because even though you lose weight or change your body in some way, that poor body image, that which is internal, right, remains. It's still there. And that self-image 
consists. And so you still don't feel good enough about yourself, even though perhaps the outside has changed. And because you still don't feel good enough in some way, you end up doing behaviors because how we feel and how we think in our internal world is always what drives our behaviors. So we end up doing behaviors that represent that negative belief system we have about ourself, whatever that particular belief system might be. It's going to be unique to each of us in some way. So I definitely experienced this on my journey until I really worked on that relationship with myself. And this body shame can create negative health outcomes for people as well by implying that your body shape and appearance are more important than your overall health and your overall mental and emotional well-being. It's like the physical appearance trumps everything else and I will sacrifice my own health and my own mental and emotional well-being to create that physical appearance that I deem so important and so valued in the world, right? So we see this in adults, you know, at all ages, but we especially will see this in teenage girls as well as boys more and more, um, and men too. It's becoming more prevalent. And it's all because we become so influenced by this social environment that we're in and we get the body obsessed due to the body shame. The, you know, the body shame is at the root of it. The poor body image and the negative thinking about the self is at the root of it. And then, you know, because of our social environments and wanting to feel good enough and measure up to what we perceive as some standard that the outside set sets and that we're, we believe that we're supposed to, it's just a belief. It's We're not supposed to, but we believe that we're supposed to measure up, right? And so we uh, start to do things that don't serve us because of that body shame. And once again, this often ends up into, you know, eating disorder behaviors. So diet culture basically teaches us and also programs us to believe that our bodies need to be made better in some way and that our bodies should be controlled by food restriction and managing food and removing certain foods and uh, partaking in challenging exercise And because of this, many people completely lose their connection with their body because they're only being or they're only listening to what's the noise on the outside. They're not truly tuning into themselves and tuning into their body. So they lose the connection with the body, not only as their guide for eating, but also as the guide for exercise and movement. And so we lose trust with ourselves. That's the biggest thing. We lose trust with ourselves and we start to think, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. There must be a better way. Oh, there's this out here and this out there and they're doing this and this person says this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't trust myself. And this all happens because of this outside influence that is so strong and is constantly implying that we need to do it differently. We need to eat differently. We need to exercise differently. It's just constant, right? There's always something different. And another reason dieting is problematic is because it teaches that actions and behavioral strategies are all that matter. So dieting strategies and also what I call micromanaging your food intake, 
by things such as counting and overanalyzing and measuring and all that kind of stuff, tracking, it totally ignores the root of the overeating problem for most people, which is the person's relationship with food, meaning the person's beliefs, thoughts, and feelings toward food. And that relationship with food and how you think and feel about food is so important because to really change eating habits and behaviors long-term and in a way that feels good for you, for your life, you have to recreate how you see food in your life. You have to recreate the relationship with food. You have to change how you think and feel about food on that day in and day out basis. That's where the real transformation comes. When you transform your thoughts and your beliefs about food and how you feel about food and how you relate to food, behaviors and actions naturally progress into the right change as well. And another thing is with all the different dieting strategies that are out there and that we're constantly bombarded with, it confuses people, right? It leads us to wonder, okay, well, what is the best way to eat? This person says this and this person says that. And then I saw an ad for this and then, oh, and then there's this diet and and they say to track it this way and they say to track it that way. Like, what is the right way? It's, it leaves the whole populace in confusion in so many ways, right? And so, The best way to eat is, no secret here, but it's learning how to allow your unique body to guide you, relearning that, because it knows how to do it. It's just you have to learn how to do it again like you did when you were that small child. It was so easy and natural for you. You ate when you were hungry, and then you were done. You knew what you liked. You knew what you didn't like. You screamed for what you wanted, and you pushed away what you didn't sort of thing. It was just, it's very innate in our biology to know how to do this and you can get back there but so it's learning how to reconnect to your body as your guide and then honoring that guidance and wisdom that it's willing to provide you that's the second step you know being able to then honor that wisdom that it's providing you that is the best way to eat okay so now I want to talk about the biological consequences of dieting and then in the next episode, I will dive into the psychological consequences of dieting and restricting of food. And these biological and psychological consequences are the biggest reason why dieting is so problematic for people. So basically, food restriction, such as reducing calories or omitting certain foods and food groups from your diet, however that restriction looks, that will negatively affect your body and your mind when it especially 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 when it's too drastic all at once too different than how you're used to eating and how your body's used to eating now and also especially when it's coming from a place of fear or anxiety such as a negative body image fearing that your body's not good enough and or fear just around gaining weight like if you have a lot of fear about gaining weight That's also going to biologically trigger, in addition to the food restriction part of it, that will trigger our lower brain survival mechanisms and the only responsibility, this is why it's so problematic, the only responsibility of our lower brain is to keep us alive. 
And so once that part of your brain is switched on, either from fear, like fight or flight, got to run from a tiger, you know, whether you fear, have fear around your body image and not thinking your body's good enough, or whether a tiger's chasing you, the lower brain doesn't know the difference. Fear is fear. So that fear and anxiety will switch that part of your brain on, or just not eating enough of what your body needs, not eating enough of the food that your body is needing. That could be types of foods, quantity of foods. It just depends. And well, it's both. So this will drive you, once this part of your brain is switched on, this will drive you to be both biologically and psychologically driven to seek out food and to want to eat food. So when this survival switch turns on, the lower brain literally thinks your life is at stake and you will have this intense desire to find and eat food. Your lower brain sees this as so important as breathing. So instead of gasping for air, it's like you are gasping for food. And if you've ever dieted or restricted food and then started craving more than before or started binging and having these overeating episodes, falling off the wagon, so to speak, um, overeating tons of food on something like a cheat day, that is why. And this is exactly why my eating disorder developed for me in college. And research studies have shown repeatedly, I'm not just making this up and I'm not just giving you my anecdotal evidence, research studies have repeatedly shown this effect of food restriction too. And I know there's many, 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 many women out there and men that have experienced this firsthand too as a side effect of dieting practices. So what happens in the body during these restriction cycles and then overeating cycles, like when you're going back and forth, restrict, overeat, restrict, overeat, that was like my daily pattern. What happens is, and what we can all experience by dieting is first blood sugar swings from not eating enough and then eating too much, which confuses the body and stresses the body. It's like, okay, what the heck is going on? What, why is she doing this? She's not eating enough. And then she's eating all this food. I'm like, what, what in the world? So it gets confused. And, you know, in, like your blood sugar is going up and down. And your body is trying to keep everything in balance. Like that is its job to keep you in homeostasis, to keep you safe. And it's like, what is she doing? And so it gets stressed. And like I just mentioned, fight or flight. And that, that survival switch goes on. Also, nutrient shortages can happen. And because of these shortages, the body seeks more and more food. It's like looking for what it's not getting. So you get cravings, you get urges to eat more and more. And calories is the most prominent nutrient shortage that typically happens. And that really severely triggers this biological urge to seek food. Also, there is this confusion that happens for the hormones ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hormone that signals hunger. Leptin is the hormone that signals fullness. And these are the two key hormones that regulate the sending of that signal, hunger or fullness, to the brain. And when we are in these overeating and restriction cycles, uh, those hormones also just kind of get out of whack. And this is um, one of the reasons why you become that bottomless pit uh, if you've ever felt that, I experienced this a lot during my years back in the past where I could, 
It's like I I would think to myself, I really should be full like for the amount of food that I've eaten, but I could just eat more and more. And sometimes this has to do with the types of food that you're eating, but also it has to do with those hormone signals getting out of whack. So all of these factors of blood sugar, nutrients, and then hormones have an effect on our appetite control and also on our ability to feel satisfied by the food that we eat, like I was just mentioning. So these factors are causing you to want to eat more and more food, especially the food that perhaps you believe you should not have, you know, such as those forbidden foods on the diet. And these factors will also cause you to feel, like I just mentioned, like the bottomless pit where you can eat and eat meat and you're like, I'm still not satisfied. I'm, You know, you can get this feeling of fullness, but you're not satisfied. Like I experienced that so many times in my life when I was in my eating disorder days. And um, yeah, I just never could reach satisfaction and that would just cause me to eat more and more. I mean, that's the binging, right? So in the end, most food restriction and dieting behaviors will very easily set us up to be biologically driven to eat more and more food, not less. So in the next episode, I will continue with this topic and I'll be discussing the psychological factors and consequences of dieting and how the diet mentality, which is just the patterns of thinking we get from dieting, and dieting um, culture, how all of that psychological stuff and the patterns of thinking that we develop drive us to eat more as well and not less. And so I'm going to talk about why that happens and also discuss how to assess if you want to break up with that. Basically, if you want to break up with the dieting practices that maybe you've been participating in and if you're ready to break up with that diet mentality, that way of thinking as well, those food fears and anxieties and all those rules around food. We can talk about that on the next episode as well. And you'll get to gauge whether you're ready to do that or not. And I'll kind of be guiding you through that um, understanding of am I ready to embrace this? Because there is a part that you have to be ready. Like I mentioned um, in, in the beginning where I struggled for many, many years before I firmly finally made the decision to go get help. And you don't necessarily have to get help. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is there's a a moment where you're going to have to make a decision where I don't want to do it this way anymore. I'm done doing it this way. And that might require getting some help and it might not. But there's always a decision that's involved first. So that's kind of what next week's episode will be about, the psychological consequences of the food restriction and the dieting um, practices and the diet mentality, and then also kind of running you through whether are you ready to let this go? And will it benefit you to let it go? Because sometimes when you can see how it will benefit you and how it could change your life and how it will serve your life in so many beautiful ways, it's much easier to then make that decision and then go on to the next step of what I would call finding your freedom with food and reconnecting to your body and letting your body be that expert and guide for you and learning the skills that you need to learn to uh, lose weight intuitively if weight loss is what you want to do or to just become that intuitive eater and not having all that 
food fear and the rules that you may currently hold around food. Thank you for being here. Much love. And until next time, I'm wishing you well. Are you a woman who wants to end cycles of overeating and dieting so that you can experience greater health and well-being, more peace and freedom around food, more vibrancy and more feelings of joy and confidence in your body? If so, I have a comprehensive self-study course called Food Freedom Body Bliss where you can learn step-by-step how to create just that. Go to RebeccaLaurelHill.com forward slash FFBB to learn more.